Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. In today's episode, I want to go through some of the frequently asked questions regarding real estate and investing. So um, here we go. Okay, let's get started. Let's talk about market knowledge. What is CMA? Comparative Market Analysis. These are comps used by agents to establish the FMV, fair market value of a home by comparing its features and amenities to other properties in the area. There is another approach which is called cost approach. This is the method used when there are no comps in the area or not enough of them to assess the value of the home. There is third approach which is sales comparison approach. This is the method by which agents compare recent home sales to establish the fair market value of a home. Let's address the elephant in the room, cap rate. When you are looking at a real estate deal, you will hear terms such as cash on cash return or COCR, net operating income or NOI, and cap rate or capitalization rate. If you are new to commercial real estate, these terms may be foreign to you. Um, So let's uh, start by getting into the swing of things. Uh, Cap rate uh, measures the return on an investment in a commercial building. Cap rate can confuse a new investor because it ignores any debt on the property. That is helpful because it shows the return on the investment in an absolute sense and allows you to compare investment alternatives in different buildings without being confused by the financing on the property. Cap rate is calculated by taking the income and deducting all expenses other than the mortgage, then dividing that into the purchase price. So let's take an example. If you had rental income of 12 grand a year, expenses other than mortgage interest, principal and interest deduction of three grand per year, you would have nine grand or so per year left over, right? The expenses that you include are regular expenses like electric, gas, um, property management, et cetera, et cetera, and maintenance. So let's say in this example, if you had paid for 100 grand for that building and had annual cash flow after expenses uh, about nine grand, this nine grand would be your NOI or net operating income after all the expenses. So if you divide the cash return or NOI of nine grand on a 100K investment, it would represent a 9% return, nine grand divided by 100 grand. So that 9% is your cap rate. Cap rate is a good way to compare investment alternatives. Retail properties have cap rates that vary vary by area and type of property. Cap rates can be as low as 5%. For example, a a unit of Goldman Sachs is asking 42 million for 250 unit property in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
whereas a beautiful class a apartment buildings in hot rental market you know cap rates can exceed 10% for class b and c apartment buildings in less desirable cities and in older buildings i recommend buying a single family resident or a small building when you are starting out with cap rate of at least 8% Uh, you will note that an eight percent return is much higher than any bank will give you, and probably the highest return on a safe investment that you can find today. Do I need an LLC or S corp when I'm buying rental properties? No, you don't. When you are starting out, when I had one, two, three, up to four properties, I didn't have LLC or S corporation. Or any type of entity. It was they were just whole held in my name, and um, I had really good umbrella insurance. Even if you put the properties under LLC or not, make sure you get really good umbrella insurance. At least a million dollar liability on the umbrella insurance. Insurance is the first uh, line of defense, and then LLC gives you extra protection. If you want to um, look at why LLC and not S corp or vice versa, remember LLC is for um, it's it's for uh, buy and hold strategy. Uh, you shouldn't be using your S corp for your buy and hold rentals. S corp uh, is used mostly when you are a flipper when you are house flipping. So that's an active business. That's where you should be using S corporation. Uh, when you are growing your business or when you have multiple rental properties in the same lo- location or same state you should then start looking um, at llc and start putting them under you know same llc unless the each each property is above half a million right so that way you are able to protect your assets um, as well but yes always start with umbrella insurance and then add llc when you start growing or scaling up i will actually go through a chart which my cpa had prepared regarding different types of entities and i'll try to explain hopefully on this uh, podcast so there are lots of different types of entities and you always hear about those uh, sole proprietorship partnership uh, c corporation s corporation and llc Right. So, as per legal status, sole proprietorship is uh, same uh, entity as owner, whereas partnership, uh, C corp, S corp, and LLC are separate entities. Um, are they separate taxable entity from owner? So, sole prop and partnership are not. C corporation is yes. S corporation is not. Uh, LLC depends on tax status because LLC could be. Uh, it's not a recognized entity from tax perspective. So if someone tells you that, oh yeah, you should get LLC to save on taxes, no. Um, LLC's tax structure depends on what you have selected. Uh, have you selected it as sole prop or single member LLC partnership or a corporation like S corp, right? Um, Management-wise, sole properties managed by owner. Partnership could be, you know, managed by different partners. C corp is. Through board of directors, S corp, same way board of directors, and LLC is managed by article, you know, as per articles of organization. Number of owners, uh, sole prop can only have one owner. That's why it's called sole prop. Uh, partnership and C corp can have unlimited owners. S corp can have hundred owners um, as well, max. 
Whereas LLC, again, it depends on the tax structure you have identified the LLC as, right? Owner liability, I think this is the big one uh, why you want to look at these entities. Sole prop has unlimited exposure because it's same entity as owner, right? Partnership, uh, unlimited if general partner and limited to investment if limited partner. What that means is when we are investing in a syndication, usually the sponsors are the general partners, but whereas passive investors are limited partners, LPs and GPs, you will hear those terms. So as LP, passive uh, investors are limited, you know, uh, from liability perspective. In C Corp, uh, it's limited to investment except for personal services, uh, same way in S Corporation and LLC, right? Uh, ability to raise capital, uh, sole prop, uh, it's pretty hard to uh, raise capital. It limit, it's limited to owner's assets and borrowing ability because it's same entity. Uh, whereas partnership, pretty similar, but you can sell interest uh, to raise capital. C corporation, of course, you can sell interest to raise capital, but uh, you know you can also contribute and corporation uh, borrowing abilities, right? Uh, S corporation, pretty similar. Uh, and LLC, you can also, again, sell interest to raise capital, right? Um, so it's pretty interesting if you uh, think about how different entities affect uh, your uh, taxes as well as legal uh, legality and uh, li liability perspective, right? Uh, deductibility, or deductibility of losses, uh, normal limitations for sole prop, for partnership, it's passed through to partners, right? Uh, but C corporation, it can stay at corporate level, not not passed through to shareholders. S corporation is again a pass through, uh, and LLC again depends on tax status as sole prop or partnership or corporation. So it's uh, these are some of the things to keep in mind when you are thinking about uh, forming an entity. I highly recommend um, involving your CPA plus attorney in this discussion because CPA can guide you on which entity will make sense from your tax perspective, whereas attorney can guide you uh, if this will uh, help you protect your assets as well as reduce liability. When should you use a cap rate and when you should not? Cap rate is a very common and useful ratio in the commercial real estate world, right? For example, it can um, and often is used to quickly size up an acquisition related to other prop potential investment properties. A 5% cap rate acquisition versus a 10% cap rate acquisition for a similar property in a similar location should immediately tell you that one property has a higher risk premium than the other. Another way cap rates can be helpful is when they form a trend. If you are looking at cap rate trends over the past few years in a particular sub-market, then the trend can give you an indication of where that market is headed. For instance, if cap rates are compressing, that means values are being beat up and the market is heating up. Where are values likely to go next year? Looking at historical cap rate data can quickly give you insight into the direction of valuations. 
While cap rates are useful for quick backup the anvil of calculations, it is important to note when cap rates should not be used. When properly applied to a stabilized NOI projection, the simple cap rate can produce a valuation approximately equal to what could be generated using a more complex discounted cash flow DCF analysis. However, if the property's net operating income stream is complex and irregular with substantial variations in cash flow, only a full discounted cash flow analysis will yield a credible and reliable valuation. Do I write off my travel expenses when I visit a rental property which is out of state? Yes, of course, that's a business trip. As per IRS, travel expenses are ordinary and necessary expenses of traveling away from home for business, profession, or job. The travel has to be away from the general area of your tax home. It has to be for a period substantially longer than ordinary days of work. And you need to get sleep or rest to meet the demands of your work while away. Some examples of deductible costs are traveling by airplane, train, bus, or car between your home and your business destination, fares for taxis or other types of transportation between the airport or train station and your hotel, the hotel and the work location, etc. If you have to ship anything as well as check in um, um, items as well, Using your car while you are at the business destination as well, you can deduct actual expenses for mileage, rate, etc. Meals and lodging, dry cleaning and laundry, business calls while on your business trip, tips you pay for services related to any of these expenses. So there is a lot which you can write off. And of course, I do every time I travel. Someone recently asked me, do you flip houses and why? So um, my answer is I don't. I don't like this strategy. Many people think that flipping property and in other words, buying it and quickly turning around and selling it for more than you paid for it is the way to grow wealth. The people who believe strongly in this have been lucky enough to make money this way. In my opinion, this is like day trading in stock market and it isn't easy and it's risky. So I don't do flipping, same way I don't do no money down uh, is another way of saying, you know, that 100% of the property is finance. That means the major portion, if not all of your cash flow is going toward the monthly payment. So in no money down deals as well, you'll be paying higher interest rates because there is a greater risk to the lender and have higher loan costs as well. All right, so with this model, you're again banking on the property, appreciating to make money rather than improving the operations of the property and making money through cash flow. So I don't like no money down deals or flipping deals unless I'm working directly with the seller and seller is able to finance the property, then I would look into no money down or maybe you know two, 3% interest mortgage with the seller directly. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast.
For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S.com. How do you find time to do all these deals, become part of a book, as well as run your own podcast? I know it's hard. It isn't easy, but it's not impossible. I can give you tons of examples where even W-2 employees were able to start their own business on side and were able to make it really big, right? So I don't like when someone says that I want to do it, but I don't really have the time. This really comes down to choices and priorities. There is always time to do the things we need to do, like go to work every day, feed the dog, etc. Often there isn't time to do the things we really want to do. Learn to speak a second language, volunteer in the community. So there is a difference between need and want. We'll often do what we need and put off what we want. Unfortunately, our wants are what truly enriches our lives. The investment real estate business is something you should want to do and may even need to do. It's work. I'm not saying it's easy and straightforward. It takes a lot of time, effort. Maybe you'll make mistakes uh, along the way. I made tons of mistakes, learned from the mistakes, as well as I attended lots of conferences and boot camps and meetups so that I can jumpstart my real estate investment as well as overall investment career, right? So that way I'm not reinventing the wheel. Also, I'm able to learn from other people's mistakes right and that's why i suggest that go to conferences reach out to people like me there are even uh, far uh, experienced mentors and gurus out there they may that may work for you as well so to be truly successful in the beginning you'll be involved in the day-to-day activities of finding evaluating property negotiating deals overseeing you know contract uh, repair work possibly even managing the property you know, I can honestly say I find the business rewarding, fun, and because of that, it is profitable, right? So it's also important to do what you're passionate about. I fell victim to the myth of not having enough time myself, right? But then I realized you have to create time, right? If you don't have time to begin your real estate investment business, maybe in your mind, you don't really need to do it. Maybe you simply want to do it and want alone may not be enough to get you started, right? So if you really want to get started, make it that you want to do it and you need to do it and then take action. Lots of people are asking me what happened to my very first investment. You know, I always talk about it, that it was a disaster. I thought of recording an unedited version now so that I can point everyone to listen to this episode as well. Yeah, so I started investing in real estate um, star in 2015. Uh, I became accidental landlord in 2011, as you may have heard from my first podcast. But 2015 is when I decided that I need to grow uh, my cash flow as well as build solid um, income stream. 
Yeah, so I invested. I found a turnkey provider through a friend. Did not know anything about real estate investment. I wish I would have found um, biggerpockets.com as well as the meetups and the conferences, etc. And I wish I would have learned all that by spending money upfront and educating myself instead of just jumping in and trying it out um, and and see if it will work or not. So I ended up buying a property in Cleveland, Ohio for 2% rent-to-price ratio. That's uh, ridiculous, actually, unheard of, unless you are going in a ghetto. And that's what it was. I didn't even understand how to analyze a market. The turnkey provider lied all throughout, said that the property is fully updated, uh, rehabbed, etc. Of course, there was nothing done. Uh, I acquired the property and then I went to look at it. Big mistake when I was starting out, especially for my first investment. So when I went to look at it, I realized I have already made a mistake. Um, There was no way to back out either because I had already paid uh, cash. So if I would have not paid cash and tried to finance it, I would have known that this is a no-no. Of course, any you cannot finance any property for less than 50 grand. So I'm not buying anything for less than 50 grand. Actually, I don't recommend buying anything for right now for less than 80 grand because the market has gone up. If the market was in recession, maybe I wouldn't recommend buying anything for less than 60 grand. But right now, anything less than 80 grand. And also, uh, if you are getting a rent for anything less than 750, I wouldn't do it. I'm pretty sure that area is is a is either a d neighborhood c minus or even worse right so my investment pretty much they uh, paid the rent for six months i also kept the turnkey provider as a property manager which was another big big mistake because there was right there conflict of interest uh, they started paying late late rent he wouldn't charge late fee he said oh these people are always paying the rent I kept trusting him. Then the one day late became one week to two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Um, so they started paying rent late for over a month now. Um, so, you know, if they had to pay January rent, they would pay in late February and so on. So every time they were late. So uh, that thing went on and then I got pretty upset with the turnkey provider. I asked him to take the property back. Of course he wouldn't. I didn't know all that. Um, So I, uh, and then he's telling me now he can't continue being a property manager. Of course, I wanted to fire him by that time. I hired a new property manager and that's when I realized he said that he's not comfortable going to that area usually to collect the rent, even though he started managing the property. So um, that's what it was. But after another three months, they literally stopped paying rent. And now it was about we need to evict them. So eviction took me about four to five months. By that time, the tenants uh, had entirely trashed the property. It was fully trashed. Then on top of that, a next door house burned down, which damaged some of the siding as well. So now the inside was trashed as well as outside was in pretty bad condition. My insurance uh, said that, oh, the expense, uh, you know, is same as your deductible. So they are not going to pay. 
the next door neighbor said that oh it wasn't because of their negligence so the insurance wouldn't cover their insurance wouldn't cover the damage to my property either by that time i was just done with the property finally i was able to uh, evict them but by that time i had lost uh, pretty much um, all the money i had made um, from the cash flow because while they were living i was still paying for their water and sewer and because there was some issue uh, in the plumbing every month for the last 4 months they were staying there i paid about on average 2500 to 3000 for water and sewer yeah you guys would not believe that so the entire cash flow or whatever i had done was already gone just with the water and sewer bills so um, that's another lesson learned i always ask tenants to move the water and sewer uh, to their name now i make sure with the property manager as well uh, another thing i always recommend that anytime you are trying to buy a property please please hire a property inspector and the property inspector needs to be a third party neutral property inspector not some one recommended by your realtor or someone recommended by your turnkey provider as well maybe yeah if if you have a third party property manager yeah if that person is recommended by property manager i would still do it but spending 400 500 maybe 800 bucks up front uh, is is a better deal than losing your entire investment so property in- inspectors are a must right and then of course having a good property manager who can guide you about the area as well as the property um of what they think of the property as well right what kind of asset it is is it a b or c uh, etc so i think um those are some of the really important uh, aspects so finally to uh, get back to what happened with me right um, i had to evict them by the time i had zero um, cash flow right whatever i had made was gone plus the because they had trashed the property the expense to repair everything and fully rehab the property was same as the amount of money i paid for the property so and even after doing all that that would still not work uh, because the property value wouldn't increase uh, at all so i decided to just let it go i hired a realtor and he was able to offload it to another investor but that's my story basically lost everything uh, but of course learned from my mistakes starting started studying more educating myself found another turnkey provider in another area of course even that investment was good but i learned a lot again from that investment as well so moral of the story is spend money on education um either ways um, go to meetups whatever bigger pockets i uh, start learning as well as um, hire some of the or build your network and hire property inspectors property managers etc front so you have a good team in that market and the third thing is even after all this happened uh, this did not deter me from buying another property so um, do not procrastinate take action but uh, do not just jump because your friend has invested so you got to invest as well right you want to do your own due diligence 
Uh, same way, even if you are syndic uh, investing in a syndication, do your own due diligence. Uh, make sure you understand the syndicator team, their track record, as well as um, how they have you know performed so far. So uh, that that's a long story, uh, but I wanted to cover it so that you know uh, if people ask me again, I can refer them to this podcast. So happy investing, everyone! Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing!